Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the word. Talking about the power of thought this morning. Um, and as you can see, there are no distractions. I, I don't want to give you my thoughts or, or what my perspective is on this. I really want you to hear from God. Um, there is so much that comes into our day that floods our day. Um, imagery. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the radio when you're in the car, uh, but there's always something kind of pouring in, isn't there? And, and so this morning, hopefully, and I, I believe God has certainly provided a great foundation for us to build on. Um, I mean, we've acknowledged his sacrifice for us. Uh, the fact that we are white as snow, we are holy and righteous and pure in his sight. Uh, we've, we've honored and revered his name. We, we've come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and lifted up our voices to an almighty, powerful God. And now we get to hear from him. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready to hear from him specifically. Um, the cool thing about what I get to do up here is I get to kind of just talk for God. And then I hear from all of you how it came across. And it's really unique for me. It really is. Because it's like, sometimes I'll hear people say, oh, when you say this, it meant this to me. Or when you said that, I'm thinking, did I say that? And it's just like, it's just the proof that I'm just a mouthpiece. And that's what I want to be. I don't want to muddy God's message for you. I don't want to have it become something that is confusing and unclear. So with that, let, let's seek the Lord one more time. Let's ask him to remove the distractions from the week. Let's ask him to take away all the things that will distract us so that we can focus in on what he has for us today. So pray with me. Father God, we do come before you this morning, a needy people. Lord, if there's one thing that your word has taught me is we need you Every day, not only that, every hour, every moment to successfully navigate this planet. Father, as we come to your word this morning, I ask that you will use me to speak clearly, concisely, with boldness and power, so that your word goes out in such a way that it changes and transforms lives. Lord, we thank you for who you are and for how you work, and we praise you. There is no God like you. And Father, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ, and we cannot forget that. We thank you and we praise you, and all the people said, Amen. I'll get you to say it somehow, some way. I promise. <laughs> uh, one of the great psychological discoveries, this is breakthrough, amazing. You know, if, if you want to change the way you act, you have to change your thinking. Now, this is just in, in the last century, really, and it's like, it's groundbreaking. But had someone read Proverbs, and what Solomon had to say, he said, guard your heart, because out of it, is the way your path will go. 
And think about your life and think about what's going on in your life. Do you feel complete? Do you feel perfected? Do you feel mature in where you're going and what you're doing? Or are you challenged there? I have my moments. There are moments where I feel like, hey, I'm really on track and I'm kind of going. And then it all falls apart and I go, what just happened? How did this go down? And so much of it is how I think about a situation and what we do with those thoughts, how we allow them to affect us or control us or manipulate us. And they can change the direction of our life. Now, over the next two weeks, we're going to look at six, all right? Six thoughts um, and six areas of thought that influence our lives. This week, we're going to look at your interpretations influence your situations. Your impressions influence your explanations. Your beliefs influence your behavior. I'm sure you've heard that once or twice here. Uh, fourthly, your self-talk influences your self-perception. Your attitudes influence your abilities. And your imagination influences your aspirations. So the last three we'll look at next week. Um, I know it's Father's Day, and I will probably give it a sort of a Father's Day spin, because uh, that's what we are demanded to do uh, <laughs> as pastors. Um, but this week, we're going to look at the first three, uh, starting off with your interpretations influence your situations. Now, this reminds me of a story of a, a, an elderly church lady who lived alone and loved the Lord, and she was always at church as much as she could. And one night, she came home and heard a noise. And she slowly crept into the living room, and there he was, an intruder in her home. She couldn't believe it. And she yelled out, Acts 2.38. And the intruder froze. And she calmly went over to the phone and picked up and dialed 911 and they came. And the police came in and there he was just frozen. And she was standing there just kind of calm. And they walked over, they put handcuffs on him and they're like, why are you just standing here frozen? And he said, well, I, I was... In here, and she came in, and she said she had an axe in 238s, and I wasn't going to move. <laughs> our interpretations influence our situations. <laughs> what we think is going on will influence how we live, the decisions we make, how we do those things. Now, James tells us, Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many of you are frustrated with that verse? <laughs> great joy. When troubles come? I mean, that just doesn't even make sense to me. Certainly counterintuitive to what we should do. But are we going to trust the influences of God's word? Or our own intellect, our own logic, our own thinking? We've got to come to grips with that because it will determine the direction of our life, the path we take. It goes on to say, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So if you do not feel perfect and complete, needing nothing this morning, you've got to change your thinking. You've got to change your thinking. See, the enemy wants to keep us in a very defeated place. 
He wants us to think, oh, there's no hope, or no, I can't get past this, or this sin is just going to always be in my life, and I can never change. The enemy wants us there, defeated. And our thinking oftentimes keeps us defeated. Because God says we can break free. Even in trials, we can say, hey, you know what? God is in this. God has allowed this to happen in our life. He's got a purpose here. I can look at this situation. No, I don't like it. No, I don't want it. You know, I'm immediately brought back to the beavers. I'm not talking leave it to beaver on TV. I'm talking to the three beavers who, like, destroyed my backyard. I was not counting it joy. I was not. I didn't get it. I'm like, you know, it's, these things happen. But what it did provide was a great community influence. People at the town hall interacting with them and learning about who they are and their roles and positions here and kind of building relationships with them and wanting to do it right. See, we, cha- we get challenged with that. I could have gone online, bought these crazy traps that caught these crazy beavers and done it all myself. But Massachusetts has this crazy page that says there are licenses and fees and all sorts of stuff that you have to get to do that. And my wife and I went, we have to do it the right way, don't we? (laughs) And amazing, you will be surprised at this, the permit for catching beavers when it's beaver season, there is a beaver season, (laughs) yeah, there is, (laughs) has no cost to it. I was floored because everything has a cost to it these days. I was amazed. But it didn't, because it was in season and because they were destructive, and it's hysterical, because they're like, well, we need to send somebody over to see if the beavers are being destructive. I said, you could drive by at 80 miles an hour and determine that, so go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead, you'll figure it out really soon. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) It's not what happens to you as much as how you choose to see it. See, we can take stuff, and as it comes in, we can have it totally destroy our life. We can have it totally ruin what's going on. So I remember back when I was a teenager, every time I had a car problem, I used to think, oh, I did something wrong, and God is punishing me. That's not what he does. See, we struggle with God sometimes because we think he's either like our earthly father, or you know, if you're married, it's like your husband, or he's like some kind of man that operates on that kind of a, a realm. And that's not how God works at all. God is not out to get us. God is not waiting for us to mess up so he can ding us. He, that's not who he is. And when we think of him in those terms, we, we are challenged to come before him. We are challenged to be in his presence. And it, it influences our situation. And we will tend to isolate ourselves instead of come into his presence and enjoy who he is and grow closer to him and be at rest. I mean, if there's one thing I have learned as a believer, it's learning to rest in this chaotic, chaotic world. And that's hard to do. Because, man, there's a lot of chaos, and it spills over into our lives often. Often. And sometimes it happens because of unbelievers, and sometimes it happens because of believers. We have chaos, right? I don't, do you have chaos? I have chaos. All right, good. I was, I was scared. <laughs> I thought, Maybe I've done something wrong and God is punishing me. No. (laughs) The way you react will determine whether circumstances make you better or make you bitter. See, because when we start responding to things and we start looking at things, we can become very bitter. 
And if there's one thing I've learned in the counseling room is bitterness destroys, destroys, destroys people. It puts them in a place that it's really, it's self-destruction. Bitterness is self-destruction. Because it's, you know, you're taking poison and you're expecting it to kill someone else. And that just doesn't happen. Bitterness is something that goes deep in. And it's called a root. And when everything springs from this root of bitterness, your situations are going to be completely different than what God wants them to be. See, he wants us to trust his word. He wants us to cling to it. And, you know, I can't help but think, you know, if we were on the Titanic and it was going down, we would understand what clinging to something meant. Are we clinging to Christ the same way we would cling to a life preserver in the middle of an ocean? Or or, are we just kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, he's over there, and I can sort of, oh, yeah, I got him. If I need him, oh, yeah. Is he sort of just at a distance? Are we clinging to him daily? I am overwhelmed by his sacrifice for me. Overwhelmed. And I struggle, I do, I struggle on a daily basis to keep that the forefront, that Christ had to die for me because of my sin, because of who I was and how I was born. I had no choice in it, yet that's who I was and that's where I was, and Christ chose to die for me. He chose to die for you. And that influences me every day. And I wanted to keep my focus all the time because how I live will be different. Not easy, not simple, but different. And we're called to that as believers. God welcomes us into that sharing of his suffering. We don't enjoy that, do we? We don't want to share the suffering, no. We, we want the cool things in Christ, right? You know, the, the heavenly body and the niceness and the smooth things and the wonderfulness and the blessing. But sometimes blessing is not blessing until you have suffered. Because we don't recognize it. It just kind of breezes on by. Isaiah 61.3 says, He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Now he's talking about Israel there, but I believe the principle is still true. God wants to bless. He wants to encourage. He wants to provide for us. He's always wanting. He is the best parent there is who wants to do the best for his children. But sometimes the way we think and the way we act, it's crazy and it's so against him. And he just allows it. Because he knows, you know, when we get in trouble, we'll come back. And he waits patiently. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that God is long-suffering. I'm not. But he certainly is long-suffering. First, your your interpretations influence your attention. Secondly, your impressions influence your explanations. Now, I love this. Young mom had to get some medication for her daughter, so she rushes to the pharmacy. And, you know, if you're a mom and you've got young kids, you know how that is, right? You're kind of rushing, and things are just kind of blurry and crazy. And so she rushes in, and she gets the medications, and she's running out to get back home. And 
she gets out to her car and realizes, I've locked the keys in my car. How many people have locked the keys in the car? Oh, wow, more than I thought. <laughs> so she locks the keys in the car, and she's like, oh, Lord, you know my daughter needs this medication, and I'm just here, and I don't know how to get into this car, and what am I going to do? And she sees kind of an old which, hanger sitting there. So she picks up this hanger, and she's like, Lord, I know this can get me in my car somehow, some way, but I can't do it. Lord, can you send somebody? And so... Moments later, this biker comes up, parks beside her, and she goes, sir, you know, can you help me get into my car? And he's like, sure. Takes the hanger, zip, 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 ching, 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 gets her right in. She's like, oh, my gosh. Lord, I'm so thankful you provided this, this good man. And he's like, ma'am, I'm not, I'm not a good man. In fact, you know, I just got out of prison for car theft. And she again prays and says, Lord, not only did you send somebody and sent them quickly, but you sent me a professional as it as well. <laughs> your impressions influence your explanations, right? This woman saw this man as a blessing and saw him as a professional in his business. <laughs> it influenced her. And our impressions influence us. Psalm 52, 55.2, I'm sorry. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. When we let our, tr our troubles dictate our lives, that becomes our focus. That becomes our identity. That becomes who we are. And that's a lie. The first thing I do when I sit down with, with somebody across from the counseling table is tell them the truth about who they are in Christ. Holy, chosen, cherished, accepted. And usually partway through this list, people are crying because they, they don't see themselves there. They see the shame. They see the guilt. They see the inadequacy. They see the circumstances of their life that have brought them to crazy places that they never thought they'd be. But in Christ, we are new creations, and we've got to live that way. And when the lie of our past and the lie of our trials come to haunt us, we have got to combat it with truth. Because otherwise, it'll bring us to places that we don't want to go. It'll keep us in places that we don't want to be. Because our impressions influence our situations. Proverbs 23, 7a. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. How do you characterize yourself this morning? What, what do you really think about who you are? I would say for, for the vast majority of you, not a positive word was the first thing that came to your head. Because that's where the enemy wants us. Do you see yourself this morning as holy? As righteous? As pure? Now, it's interesting. I'll let you in on a little secret. The circumstances of this morning's service were nuts. 
that were different, you know, as you knew, right, you were here, like they were different how they were normally, and things were kind of different. We had different people and different situations, circumstances. But what an excellent object lesson to us. God provided the greatest foundation for us to, to be prepared. I just, that's how I see it. I stepped on this platform this morning ready to talk for God, ready for you to hear him, knowing that we had done everything we could with the circumstances and the situations that we had to prepare you and influence your thinking so that you leave here transformed, that you leave here changed today. And I hope that happens. Henry David Thoreau as a single footstep will not make a path on the earth, so a single thought will not make a pathway in the mind. To make a deep physical path, we walk again and again. To make a deep mental path, we must think over and over the kind of thoughts we wish to dominate our lives. That's why conferences, you know, sometimes don't work for us. It's that high mountaintop experience and then, whew, we're in the valley. We have got to stay at a place where we're putting in constantly, constantly the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth. That, I mean, that's the one reason why we're always saying devotions or quiet time or whatever word you want to use for that. We have got to have more truth flowing in than lie. And the TV, I'm sorry, as much as you know, I enjoy my different shows and whatever, they're lies. It's the world's system, it's the world's thinking, it's the world's programming, and there's agenda. Agenda, agenda, agenda. It's just, it's there. And we, we, we've got to acknowledge that. It doesn't mean, oh, throw your TVs out. I'm not saying that. But we've got to have an awareness and an acknowledgement. We've got to guard our hearts. You know, and when we see it, we've got to, oh, that's against the Lord. And, oh, that's not, not that we become judgmental, but that we're guarding our heart. We've got to guard our heart. Because if we just let it in, that's who we become. And that will influence how we live our lives. That will influence our situations. Because how we interpret things, that's going to influence it. How we have impressions of these things and what we think and what we feel, it's going to make a difference. So first, your interpretations influence your situations. Secondly, your impressions influence your explanations. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12 says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Um, Michelle Wallace loves this verse because she condenses it down to just kind of a phrase. We're squished, but not squashed. <laughs> I like that. But it's true. We can endure a lot. And God wants us to endure a lot. Because when we get squeezed, he wants Christ to come out and be evident. 
that's so much of why we experience certain trials in our life, I believe. So Christ can be seen. So he can be evident. Because the world needs to see him. And sometimes we get so caught up in life and we get so caught up in situations and circumstances that we fail to show him. And so when we're in a trial and we come through it and we're like, you know, well, God is blessing and God is this and God is that, he's seen. And I'm just not saying God causes trials for that reason, but it certainly it happens. All right, let's wrap this up. Thirdly, your beliefs influence your behavior. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us, for we live by believing, not by seeing. And I cut that down to belief determines behavior. Now, certain community had traffic cameras put in. And the people were kind of like, traffic cameras, this is craziness. You know, we're pretty law-abiding citizens. And so this one gentleman, he was on his way to work, and you know, as he was going through this one particular traffic light, the thing went off. And he was like, I know I wasn't speeding. These things must be faulty. Well, let me try it again. So he comes around again, and he, he makes sure now he's slowing down, he slowed down even more than the speed limit, and he goes through, and poof, it goes off again. He goes, these things are faulty. This is crazy. So he comes around again, and now he's going even slower, and he slowly goes through, and poof, it goes off again. He goes, this is crazy. They're going to have all these pictures of me, and they're not going to have anything to do about them. So he goes, I'm going to go one, one more time. And he goes through one more time, and he, now he's like practically crawling through the intersection. And poof, the thing goes off again. And he goes, this is dumb. So he goes on to work, and he forgets about it. And a couple weeks later, he gets six tickets in the mail for not wearing his seatbelt. <laughs> Sometimes what we think or what we believe, <laughs> he thought he was within the law. Completely. He wasn't even wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> our beliefs determine our behavior. What you do on a daily basis is based on what you believe. If you believe ranting and raving gets you your way, guess what you're going to do on a regular basis? If you believe pouting and running off and making somebody come after you to get your way, guess what you're going to do? If you believe standing strong and boldly for Christian values is important, guess what you're going to do? What we believe. I mean, everything we do is based on belief. Everything. The fact you showed up today. You, you believe something about showing up, and I'm sure it's different for many people in this room. But is it what this has to say about showing up? See, this book, the Word of God, has got to be the authority. It has to be. If it's our influence or our input or our belief blurred with this, it's going to get messy going to get difficult. It's going to get challenging. It's got to be what the word says and no more. What the word says and no less as well. And it will dictate. It will challenge, but it will also perfect, mature, grow. 
we get challenged with growth, don't we? We'd rather just kind of, you know, I'm comfortable with where I'm at. This is good. Why can't we just stay here? But God knows there's so much more for us. And that's what we've got to believe. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. He knows he created us. He designed us. There's a specific gift we all have, and when we are operating in it, it is magic. I'll tell you, I was a missionary for almost 10 years, and it was because I loved the Lord, it was because I wanted to serve him, it was because I wanted to be in ministry. But it wasn't my gifting. I can stand here today and tell you, every time I walk in this building, I am thrilled to be here. Because God confirms on a regular basis that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know if you believe that, but I do. <laughs> and it's a joy. And it's a, you know what? With the joy, there's challenge and there's struggle and there's interesting situations. But God shows up every time, every time, and makes it all work. This service is a perfect example of that. Couple things. John 8, 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now my wife is petrified, petrified of snakes. And this time of year you're cleaning stuff up. Oh, Kelly is too. She's attesting. Petrified. I mean, petrified. There's, in fact, there's this one time. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> but it was like we were coming in the house, and there was, I don't know, it might have been a piece of ribbon or something on the floor. And she literally went up to the ceiling, like you see on TV, and was like, Is it a snake? And she was like, The kids laugh, we all laugh. It was hysterical. She believed there was a snake on the floor, and she responded like there was a snake on the floor. What we believe will determine our behavior. We have got to align our beliefs to Scripture. We have got to align our beliefs to what God says they should be. And sometimes that's, that's a challenge based on how we've been brought up, based on how we've chosen to live our life, based on the circumstances that are in our life. But if you want to be walking in obedience, it's necessary if you want to grow, if you want to mature, if you want to get to that place where you're perfect in God's sight, not your own, that's where you've got to live. It's so important to make sure you're operating on true information. The enemy wants us to believe the half-truth, the lie, and create strongholds in our life where he can come in and he can just get a handle in our lives and just dictate how we do things. Let me tell you today, you can have freedom from that in Christ by aligning your life to his word. Next week, your self-talk influences your self-perception, your attitudes influence your abilities, your imagination influences your aspirations. God knows how powerful thinking is. What it does in our lives, for our lives, but even more so than that, how it 
communicates to the world. We have got to be in the world and not of the world. We have got to be different. As much as we are challenged by that, we struggle with, oh, we just want to be accepted. We can be accepted and be different. It is possible. It is possible. So pray with me today as we close out our service. Father, we are thankful for your word. I know I am so thankful for your word, Lord, because it has saved me from so much. It has corrected my thinking. It has transformed and renewed my mind. And Lord, I do struggle with things at times because of how I was raised, because of my own personal habits that have brought me to just certain things that keep me in a box. And Lord, you're working that out in my life. And you want to do that in the lives of others. But that all starts with what we do with Christ. We, we can't just act like a Christian. We have to become Christians. And that has to do with Christ. And I pray, Father, if there is not one here today that does not know you, that they will search you out and figure out what it means to be a Christian. And Lord, there are thousands, or thousands, There's a bunch of people here who know how to make that happen. Lord, we love you. We are energized by you. Father, your spirit resides within us that provides the comfort we need to get through this lifetime. Lord, may we be sons and daughters that bring you honor, that bring you glory, that bring you praise with our lives and with our thoughts. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.